0: Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Leslie Perez Perez. Leslie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Derek. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to spend this time with you
0: today. All right. Well, I'm excited about talking to you and listening to your journey, learning from what you've been through and your insight. Let me tell the podcast listeners a little bit about you attorney leslie perez perez was born and raised in cuba and came to the united states at the age of 24. she was an attorney in cuba however due to the government's complete disregard for human rights she was forced to abandon her roots in search of a better judicial system within five years in the united states she was admitted as an attorney in the state of florida in 2017 lisbeth velasquez also a born and raised Cuban and her founded their firm VPP law firm as they both understand firsthand the challenges that come with the language barrier they are very passionate to advocate for those who don't clearly understand their rights their doors remain open for those in need of legal representation Sounds <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, tell me what inspired you to become an attorney?
1: It's very funny that you asked that question because I did not want to be an attorney. I decided to become an attorney in Cuba because the it's a little bit different, the education in Cuba where you make a list of the choices that you wanna have once you finish your uh, you know the step to going to college or university Mm -hmm. Um, and then from that list if you would get eliminated based on your GPA so none of my four first choices I received right and then the five one was actually to become an attorney because it was just um, you know, a great option at the time, it, the university was opening in my hometown, I couldn't, I didn't have to move out, and then I, I just thought, you know what, let me just get a degree to make my parents proud that I at least became something, right, mm. but I hated it, I hated law in Cuba every single day, I practiced for about 10 months, and then one day I said, you know, it's enough, this is a this is a joke, you know. People don't have rights. Uh, it's not real. You can really advocate for anyone. It's just what the government wants, or or you know, or just what it's trending for the government at that time. And it's just you know, I couldn't take it anymore. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not going to be part of this. And then I had the opportunity to cross the border, which was you know a very um, interesting experience and then once i settled down here i moved with my brother in new york and he introduced me to some friends and they got me a look. i would say like i not a paralegal because back then i didn't even know how to speak english mm-hmm. but i would say like a calendar girl in the law office i would just calendar things for the attorneys and they help them get the file for CORE the day before and whatnot. And then that's when I fell in love with the profession. And I said, wow, this is a very, very cool profession in the United States. I do want to be an attorney here.
0: Wow. That is quite the journey yes. Um, to become an it's attorney.
1: It took quite a few, few years to be sure that I want to be in this profession. And now I love it. I, I wouldn't see myself doing anything else.
0: Wow, man, I mean even the detail you mentioned about it being your fifth option, not one, not two, not three, not four, but your fifth. <laughs> but and, and I think that's that's actually super uplifting. one to hear how much you love it now. But I know there are a number of college students that also listen to my podcast and we we have conversations that I have talks with them and they're thinking about, What are they going to do for the rest of their lives? You know, what do they want to do? And sometimes they have their list of their top two or three or or four. But to hear somebody's story where you love what you're doing right now, but to think about if we we rewind a little bit, it wasn't even the top four choices. And I think that's just a great encouragement to people in in their own path to that they don't even know. Um, what what might be the most fulfilling job that they love it might not even be in their top four choices right now so they, I just I love hearing stories like that
1: I just tell everybody take your time because and then just feel yourself you know I was in I I don't even know how to say this I, I maybe I was rejecting the fact that I was already perfect for being an attorney I was just rejecting who I was because if you you know, in kindergarten, everybody used to call me the abogadita.
2: Oh, wow. I,
1: for five years, six years, because I would go defending everybody around. Don't push him. Don't do that. <laughs> so, you know, the people that were taking care of me and the rest of the, of, the, of the children, they would call me abogadita, you know, lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, may, sometimes you do know who you are. You're just not accepting it. And then it takes some time. And that's okay.
0: That's yes. Okay. I I I relate to that 100% in my in my story. I talk about like, the, similar to you, but it was different. I remember always getting in trouble for talking too much. Like, that was, <laughs> that was a big problem for me in school, like the teachers would move me because I would just talk to whoever I was around. But if you looked at what I do now in my profession, all I do is talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you
0: but right, but but right, I, I think the, the the lesson I'm hearing from you is there there. many times there are callings on our lives and there are clues along the way and I think about your experience in kindergarten when they would call you abogadita like you know little lawyer that those were clues along the way about your life's calling your life's vision your life's purpose and then and then bringing you back to that you know a decade two decades later is just a again it's it's an inspiring uh concept
1: yeah Absolutely.
0: Now, talk about becoming an attorney, but specifically talk about it as a foreigner and, and talk about the how, how that was for you.
1: It's very difficult um, to find information for foreign attorneys on how to become an attorney in the United States. There are many misconceptions and everybody just advises you to become a paralegal and then you will still be in the legal field and then, you know, you will not have biggest debt that you get when you go to law school and then um don't waste your time it's going to be so long to actually get your degree and whatnot but i think it's 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 difficult but it's rewarding if that is something you believe you want to be do not be afraid because everybody has obstacles in life don't think for a minute that the american people or those that grew up here that go to law school, they don't they don't feel the same fears that you have, they don't have the same stress that you have. That you know, it it may be different, you know, everybody has a different life. But everybody will face some obstacle. It's up to you to just, you know, cross them over and then get to your goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I graduated, I was I I I, I posted a picture and I posted a you know uh, a phrase and everybody was like that is so funny and and at the same time it's so true um that i said be stubborn about your goals don't listen to anybody else if you are set on doing it because Mm. that may be at the end you know the the your biggest um you know um your biggest dream come true in life
0: yes
1: so, so I just would tell people, foreign attorneys, especially, to reach out. I, I have um, given information to many of them on how did I find information. It's, it's, it's more easier than people would think because mm-hmm. you already have a degree, so you already have the knowledge to interpret the law. It's completely different in every single state or country. Mm-hmm. But still, you have intrinsic it within you how to read the law. Mm-hmm. So you do have an advantage, even though you mm. don't have the language, and even though you don't know the Constitution of the United States yet or how it works. But you you do have an advantage because you've been there. You've read hundreds of law and you've interpreted them, so you know how to use them. It's just you got to focus on a different y- jurisdictional system now.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yes. I want to highlight what you said for our listeners, because you said, be stubborn about your goals. Podcast listeners, think about that for a moment. What goals do you have before you? I know we just started the year 2021. When we're recording this episode, it's technically January 22nd. Now, I want you to think about your goals, podcast listeners, and how could you be stubborn about them, persistent about them? Focused on them, there and 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 just as as Leslie mentioned, there's going to be obstacles. Stress is universal. Fear is universal. We all feel those things, and I mean I love the concept to be stubborn about your goals because most 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 of us, anything that we've ever achieved in life, we've had to overcome the stress, the fears the obstacles. And we've had to be stubborn in order to get what we want. And I'm just hearing that story from you, Leslie. And I think that's such a powerful concept for anybody to listen to, whether they're an attorney or not, but to be stubborn about their goals. That's a beautiful concept.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You know, just if, if any listener is in the same situation, they can reach out to our office, you know, or, or my email, which I would happy to give to you to post, Mm-hmm. And I will be glad to sit down and just show you my story and perhaps you find a better way of doing it. Mm. I mean, my story was, you know, I was in law school within two years of, of being in the United States. And I think if if I did it, believe me, anybody of you can do it because mm. I can speak a word in it. So mm-hmm. it's possible.
0: Wow. And I love your mentality of Give, of helping other people. I mean, we're only like two or three questions into the interview and you're already talking about trying to help people that are listening in and motivate them and giving them access to you. And, I, and what, what I know about successful people, successful people are generous. And, I, and, and the successful people I've continued to come across, they're not just trying to go up the mountain by themselves and leave everyone behind, but somebody like you, you've made these successful strides up the mountain of success but even what you just showed right now, you're showing, Hey, what well, I want to take people with me. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not about, Hey, me being by myself, but I want to, I want to reach back at anybody who wants to come up too. That's the reason you talked about, you know, sharing your email so they could access you. But I love concepts like this that, that. That's why I know one that you're successful now, but I know you're con- you are going to continue to be successful because you have the generous spirit to help others to also be successful.
2: Thank
1: you. I really appreciate
0: that. Thank you. Now, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney?
1: You know, I enjoy being in court. I love going to court and argue in front of a judge. That's the most exciting moment of of my life, to be honest with you. I, whenever I have a court, even when this bed has a court, I would just go with her. Because, it, you know, the adrenaline that we get, it's, yes. it's, 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 it's you know, I don't it's nothing else could match it. And then
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are at the same time, fearing what's going to happen and, you know, thinking of a plan B, C and D, whether your strategy goes through the window. So it's, 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 it's something that, it, it you know, you're so in there. Yes. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing else that I, you know, that I enjoy more about my profession than actually going into court. Not now, that you're doing it through the computer and the Zoom hearing, the <laughs> whatnot. I know we have to adapt, but it's right. not the same feeling when you go into that courtroom, you know, and it's very formal and the judge is all, you know, serious. And then you you see your opponent and he has a hundred years and you're like, what am I doing here? <laughs> And, and you know you're like I forgot to bring this paper or I forgot to read this case and then that that moment it's it's
0: life for me mm, wow I think we caught a glimpse of your passion right there when you <laughs> describe there's nothing like it um it, I hear passion and I hear that and, and what I know about passion is going to continue to give you an advantage because you look forward to those moments so much and it's the adrenaline rush And what I want, what I want the listeners to pay attention to is the adrenaline rush you explain. And I relate to that 100% because I remember what sometimes people on the outside tell you like what you're supposed to want in life. Like I I remember um, people tell me, oh, (laughs) right, right. right. Like I remember like people talk about, oh, well you want to be able to go on nice vacations, but. I remember going to you know the nice vacations. You know I've been to you know Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, and, and other beaches as well. But and but for me, when I'm there, I'm like, there's not the same rush I get from doing a podcast. Like with a, the, with a complete stranger, we met each other 32 minutes ago, and I'm just getting a chance to meet you. Like this is my courtroom in my world. But for the podcast listeners, I want you to understand that is sometimes people tell you, oh, it's all it's about the, the vacations, it's about the beaches. I'm just telling you. For me, and my my passion, it's right here. When you heard Leslie's passion, it's in the courtroom. You can actually find a career where it gives you more of a, of a, of a of an adrenaline rush, more energy, more um, enthusiasm than any beach can ever give you. Anyway, I just I love hearing your passion because again, I, I relate one hundred percent to to that that same passion.
1: The, the funny thing is that most of my friends and my Cuban friends, I have so many attorneys in Cuba that, that, you know, we, we studied together mm-hmm. we practiced together and they always ask me the, the same question, but aren't you afraid of not knowing how to speak or not knowing what to say? I'm like, of course, but that's part of what I like. <laughs> <laughs> you when know, they just asked me to repeat because I, I am sure I didn't pronounce it right or, sure. or, that's okay. That's mm. okay. I, you know, we are lucky to live in a community that accepts people from anywhere in the world. I, I would say United States is a place where you feel that you fit and you don't have to reject your, you know, where you came from.
2: Mm-hmm. But you
1: still are who you are, but you you are also here in, mm-hmm. in the United States.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think even when it, when it comes to the listeners who tune in i think listeners this is the kind of an attorney you probably want in your corner not probably this is the you want an attorney who's passionate who gets an adrenaline rush like no other in their job in their profession those are going to be the ones you're going to you know go above and beyond and there's a certain again a certain energy a certain enthusiasm you want an attorney like this to be in your corner advocating for you as opposed to somebody who's lost the passion a long time ago and they're doing it for a paycheck, but they're not doing it for the passion. And I'm hearing passion in in Leslie right here. All about me. <laughs> now, talk about Leslie, talk about how did you decide to focus on real estate and litigation?
1: Um, real estate has always been a bit intriguing. To me, because where I come from, real estate—it's—it it's, doesn't really exist. You know, you, you you grow up in your parents' house that belonged to your grandmothers, and then the, you know the grandmothers of your parents, and so and so and so. Wow. So it, I, we don't have that. You purchase, you sell, and then you refinance, and then you get a mortgage, and somebody give you money to actually get the your dream home, and then. And then it, it was always intriguing to me. And then when I actually got into practicing real estate, then it became even more interesting because if everything moves so fast and there are so moving parts in any kind of deal, um, whether commercial or, or, or you know personal um, or private, but, but it's just that you have to manage so many people at the same time. And I love the rush that I have to, you know, have to be on top of my client to comply with these duties or, and I have to be on top of the other side to, you know, to give me whatever they have to give me, or I have to be on top of the lender to actually do what they're supposed to do to get me this deal closed, right? And then that's for the, for the transactional side and for the litigation, it's just, you know, it just brings me again to core, which I love. And then, you know, they just go well together for me. a Yeah
0: wow um one the detail about your experience in uh in cuba you know with um with not uh, with not seeing the real estate movement you know um the way it is in, in other places um that detail of growing up in the home with your parents whose it was your grandparents house and in their parents house that detail i, I don't know if i've heard before the way you explained it but it makes perfect sense but what what, what I want to highlight is um not allowing where you've come from to dictate where you're going and even where you are now in your journey like again you this is your entire world where it's you know re- real estate movement the processes of the transactions and I, and I think for all of our listeners maybe you're not an attorney yet but you're you're still figuring out what you want to do it's, it's you don't have to be limited by your experiences growing up but oh, you could there's there's so many options for you and you can do exactly the opposite of what you experienced growing up And know and, and I love hearing about that
1: you know my parents they live with me here um my whole family we don't have anyone left in Cuba sadly and unfortunately at the same time because you know it's difficult over there um and sh- my mom still has, the home that I grew up, and I'm like, mommy, why are you still holding on to that house? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You don't live there. You go there once every two years. It's just a home that it's deteriorating, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, houses, when you don't use it, they get they get dust, they get stuck in there and then mm-hmm. whatever. It's just, for me, it's a ways of, of, of use and 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 she 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 can't let it go it's something for cubans to hold on to that property because it's your family's home since 19 whatever and then it just becomes a symbol
2: mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I don't know, like you know right right
0: <laughs> right and it it's been within in the family for so long it's one of those it's a sentimental connection um that's yeah. represented so much Now, what has been one challenge you faced as an attorney that you've overcome?
1: Um, I don't know if I've overcome that problem, but I think the language barrier has been one of the greatest challenge Um, because not being able to communicate fluently at the beginning was a huge concern. Um, for me because you want to be able to represent your client you know how they deserve so so not being able to fluently explain an argument or not being able to um you know be on 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 speed dial when you get a question and you have like five seconds to think of an answer then that that was my biggest challenge you know and then when I when I started law school I couldn't speak as fluently as I do right now, and then I I was always wondering myself, "What am I doing here? You know, do I even belong here? I don't Mm -hmm. think, I don't think this is uh, this is gonna be something I'm gonna learn so fast." Um, And then all of a sudden, on my second year, my my friends that do not speak Spanish um, were telling me, "You." Um, you don't say broken sentences anymore and I was like damn I don't (laughs) actually I'm able to do to say something that makes complete sense from beginning to end and that everybody understands and then Mm -hmm. you know um you know with my huge accent which I love people hate their accent I don't know why because let me tell you for me and Lisbeth it's 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 is a weapon. When we speak, everybody turns around to see who are they? <laughs> we can understand a hundred percent. So let me just pay attention to what they're saying. So mm. it's a way of captioning your your public. Ooh. So so I think that's a weapon. Don't be don't wow. be ashamed of your accent. I think it's so beautiful and then it, it makes you different. I love to be different. I hate. Mm. To be in the room of all black jacket lawyers, I, I always wear something that shines or is, you know, pink or red or whatnot because I think I think you need a distinction. Mm. You
0: know,
1: that, that makes you that makes you, you know interesting. And, yes.
2: You know,
0: what a powerful mindset principle. When somebody can take a perceived weakness. Harness that weakness and make it into a strength. I love how you talked about distinction. And there, there are so many, I, I know people can relate to this so much is we can think that certain things are a, um, are, they, so what you said, a shortcoming in our world. I remember in my in my early 20s, a similar. I remember looking at my last name. My last name, nobody could say it. Nobody could spell it. It's Guajardo, right? And it's like, it's not one of those like, my wife's last name is Pierce. I was like, "Oh, that's such a like nice, sh- you know, sharp like last it. name." Right, right, right. And I'm like, and 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 I remember in my twenties,
1: family because. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about my name, Derek Pierce. Wouldn't that have a nice ring to it? But Der- Derek Guajardo. Now, now the, the Guajardo name. I remember feeling so insecure about it, and going. I went to go talk to my mom, and I said, "Mom, um." How do you feel about me changing my last name because I felt in that moment I felt like it was too mexican or you know too spanish sounding and I felt like it wouldn't serve me well and if I'm being completely candid I felt like it wasn't white enough you know to help me be successful if, if I'm writing books that name's going to be on the cover is that going to help me or hurt me and and all of these insecurities and then to your point about your the language where you harness that. And now this is actually helping me. This is actually propelling me forward. Now what I'm doing, when when I'm working with Latina attorneys, I feel like my last name gives me instant credibility. Exactly. And so instead of it being a weakness that I thought about it in my 20s, I feel like it's an incredible power and strength for me in my 30s. I just didn't even know because I had such a limited perspective. But to your point about the language too, you've taken that perceived weakness you've harnessed it as a strength and now you see that as a way that distinguishes you as I I relate 100% I feel like my last name now distinguishes me as a connection point as opposed to something that drives people away so I I love 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 the point you're making
1: that's why I said I I don't know if it's overcome I would say the language barrier, yes because I'm able to understand everyone um, and I'm able to communicate that but you would always have that ten percent. I still ask, uh, you know, my, my, all of our our girls over here. What does that? What does that mean? You know mm. what, the, what? What does that work? I, I don't. You know, so you still have some, you know, hiccups here and there.
0: Sure.
1: Um, it's part of the process,
2: I guess.
0: Mm. <laughs> yes. Now. What has been the best way to attract new clients to your law firm? I know other attorneys out there just starting off; they're just trying to get their first client, or they're trying to get their first five, or they're trying to get their first ten. What's what's really worked for you to get new clients to your law firm?
1: For us, it was definitely exposure in in our own community. Mm. When we first opened, I don't think we were. Um, focusing on our actual community, I don't know, I don't know why, maybe we were just trying to get somebody into the door, right? Right. And then when that happened, um, and we got this huge um, um, influencer to mention our names, uh, Mm. all of a sudden our phones would not stop ringing, and then it it was kind of like a down-to-earth calling that was like, of course, that is our people. Mm. Why, you know, why we didn't think about this before? Of course, all of them rather call us because we speak the same language and we come from the same place or or similar places, and then we know their struggles, and then they're gonna be. It, it's more easy to communicate with us in in their own language than having to chase down an attorney that needs an assistant to mm-hmm. translate and then wow. stuff get lost in translation and then they feel the attorney is not actually you know representing them as they should and whatnot so that's that's definitely what it was exposure to your kind of clients i I would say you have to sit down and think about it what makes me attract these people that it's not going to be attractive for these other people Mm -hmm. like for example the, the, the people that do not speak Spanish at all would not feel as attracted as these Mm. other people that do not speak English or very little, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, you know, that works for us.
0: Yes.
1: still does every day.
0: Love it. I I, I love the, you know, the common phrase, you know, I think in, in marketing circles is this concept of the niche or the niche. And that's what I'm hearing from you. You, you're figuring out your ideal client, your ideal market, and then having the, having enough confidence to know that there are plenty of people that you want to work with, that want to work with you, and that you even have, as you mentioned, a strategic advantage over with your right. versatility in the language. So I think as, as, the, as the other attorneys listen into this part, that is such critical information to have your ideal client painted out. Whether it's their language, their age, their profession, the amount of money in their bank account, all of these factors are going to help paint a picture of who you are looking for. And then you get a chance to ask, as Leslie mentioned, you asking the question of how can I, how do I have a strategic advantage? And, and she captured it with language. Now, you, the listeners, that might be something different for you, but asking how you have a strategic advantage with people its one of those pillar savvy business moves. I, I love the principle, Leslie.
1: Thank you, thank
0: you. Now, what advice would you offer someone just starting their career as an attorney?
1: I feel like I'm still starting my career. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I would say to not be afraid of making mistakes um, and learning from those mistakes. However, that's not that's not the same as saying just do and go with the flow. Yes and no. Um, If you're going to do it, try to give your one hundred and fifty percent. Right. So if you're going to make a mistake, you got to sleep. You know. uh, Feeling that you did everything you could on your end, If, if it's a litigation case, that you try to learn how to litigate that case that you ask other colleagues that have been there and have done it for advices you may not like them okay it's not about doing everything that people told you it's just gathering ideas from other people's ideas right and then do that research and then read that case once again and then try to distinguish it from your case and then you know we we're not perfect and it's okay to make mistakes when you're just starting out.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: for me, it always feels right that, yes, I made a mistake, but I try my best mm. to find out how to do it right. And yes. it's just sometimes it's way beyond reading and it's way beyond having conversations with other colleagues. It's it, it, it just practice. And yes. to practice, you have to do it and do it and do it and do it. There's no other way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just that just you know don't be afraid to make mistakes because then you're holding out on how great you could be
0: yes yeah. i love the input what i'm hearing from you is it's it's okay to make mistakes if you are giving your 100 best now if you're making mistakes because you're not giving your best that's another problem all all, all by itself
1: that's a suggestion
0: right that's a justification but the the idea i love what you're saying is to do your 100 best and then knowing that you gave your 100 best any mistakes that come along the way to what you said to learn from them and maximize them and work to even what you're saying like this idea of not repeating them and as you mentioned getting other outside input getting other perspective and doing all the preparation you can yet being okay with even the shortcomings that that still come even when you give your 100% best. I think that's...
1: For everyone is different. Me and Lisbeth have completely different styles to prepare ourselves.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: For example, i rather watch other colleagues in in real life um, courtroom litigation and then I just learn from watching them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's who I am. I'm very visual. Lisbeth, she likes to read and understanding Mm -hmm. herself. I hate to having to figure it out that way I'd rather you know just look at how you do it let me see if I can match it up or you know mirror that and then I get from this person and this other person and then my style is kind of like borrowing from everybody that I, I I believe they're great you know mm-hmm. as you know as litigators um but yeah everybody's have to have to think how they can get ready better
0: mm-hmm. absolutely is- the, the tailor your own preparation plan, Um, I think that's a phenomenal insight. Now, Leslie, what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney?
1: (laughs) Has anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, You know, I think I have at times um, balanced my life better than my work and then at other times I have balanced my work better than my life that's how I see it you know you give to one a little bit and then you realize the other one is going down and then you grab the other one and then it's kind of like a jumping from one to the other um but I think it, it it keeps me sane not working on the weekend unless Absolutely necessary. Mm. Like Saturday and Sundays, I I block off everything that has to do with the office, and then just dedicate to you know to my family. Unless again, if, if we have a trial on Monday, we can do anything about that. But you mm-hmm. know, but we try then to prepare during the week. If it wasn't possible because we were so, you know, back to back, then of course you, you got to do what you got to do. But it's, you know, I would say we don't, we don't, we haven't worked um, in a weekend for, a, you know, a very long time because we try to prep ourselves during the week and then just, you know, cram everything in there in the week and then, but then yet again, so during that week, you were not balancing your life right because you were leaving home at seven in the morning and then getting home 9 p.m., you know, mm-hmm. um, and then comes the weekend and you you breathe and then you go out and then you relax and then you think about other things that it actually helps you mm-hmm. in your profession because people to see it the other way around. No, it to not being all the time thinking about that legal issue sometimes at home mm-hmm.
2: because then you come
1: back and you like, you have a new idea. Wow, brain had a time to you know just shut down and then go back out
0: i i I appreciate what you're sharing about this idea of boundaries for your weekends with exception like if you have a trial on Monday then you, you know you you might, might may be working through the weekends or you might do some preparation before I also appreciate this idea you mentioned of um the the experience you had so far it it's it's not so much as a perfect 50 50 percent balance it's more of well this is going to get my whole heart for a period of time. And in some ways, my personal life will get a, a little bit shortchanged and then I'm going to shift and then my personal life's going to get, a lot, you know, 100% of my heart. And in some ways, my professional life's going to get a little bit shortchanged, but it seems to be almost, as opposed to a perfect balance beam, it's more of, there's a season when it's, you know, when your heart is 100% in one place for a time period and then it's, it shifts as opposed to a perfect balance.
1: I, you know, I'm a Virgo, so for me, the word perfection means a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I don't think I would ever say I have the perfect work-life balance because mm-hmm. that for me would also include being there for my family on the on the weekdays, and that's rarely the case because you know it's it, it's so busy
2: mm-hmm. all the
0: time. Yes, yes, yes. And let me go ahead and ask you about your personal family for, for us to use one last question on the episode is what are your it may it may be about your family, it might be about uh, your, your business colleagues, but what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because your business partner, Lise Bet, said the same word. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think I think
1: that means the world to me that somebody is reciprocates my loyalty I I believe that I'm a very loyal person Um, you know I commit to you and and I don't expect you to do the same so when you are the same it means a lot to me Mm because I don't do it so so you do it it's just it's just that if I'm loyal to you, I appreciate that that you take the time to see how I am. And then you want to be the same to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the, the, the people that are around me, they all have that quality for sure.
0: Sure. I love the quality of loyalty. And I think as we, as the podcast listeners tune into that one detail, I want to encourage all of you listening in to be loyal friends, to be loyal coworkers, to be loyal, um, again, loyal volunteers, you know, for for your local community, Um, but to incorporate loyalty all in your world. That's one of those virtues and qualities. You'll never regret um, living that one out. I've seen plenty of people regret not being loyal, but you'll never regret being loyal um, as a person in a in a persistent consistent way Um, but i love the quality um leslie i want to say thank you for joining me on on today's episode i'm grateful for your your precious time
1: no absolutely not i you know i am the one thankful for the opportunity to connect with your audience i think it's it's a great exposure as well so we're always happy to have somebody reach out and and having us because mm-hmm. we don't consider ourselves to be that interesting, <laughs> but the fact that, you know you spend a whole hour with me means
0: a lot. Oh, uh, thank you, love thank you. No, I I, I found um, uh, you, uh, leads, but I found y'all fascinating. You know, in <laughs> fact, I, both of y'all are invited to come back. You know, we'll figure out a time, sometime in the future. Y'all are invited, so we'll we'll do a part two. Maybe we'll do a a lady behind the lawyer. We talk about some more questions, but oh, I um.
1: Love it. I love it. I love it. All
0: right. Well, podcast listeners, I want you to know this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose mission is empowering Latinas with law student scholarships, undergraduate scholarships, community impact guidance, professional mentorships, and professional skills training. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app, and give us the five-star review. Remember to subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.